0: Good morning. How is everybody? This is Tina Gearing, and I'm so happy that you have joined me today. I like to refer to myself as Coach Tina and to share a little positive information if possible to brighten your day. I do my podcasts while I'm driving, so My husband says it's a little annoying having the car noise, so I apologize if that is offensive to you. I don't always do my posts this way, but it is a fantastic way for me to double task, multitask, and I don't mind talking and driving. I used to talk on the phone, but my insurance doesn't like that. So now I just talked to myself and then I heard about podcasts and I thought, you know what, <laughs> this will allow me to do both things and other people can benefit from it because when I'm talking to myself, I'm the only one who gets the positive message, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I'm the kind of person who likes to share. And so whenever I find new things or get excited about uh, some new journey that I'm on, I want to let other people in on it so that they can benefit as well. So today I was thinking about what what is it most that I want to tell you guys? How can I bring a positive message into your life? And I decided that since we're still getting to know each other, I would share three of the strongest visions I've had in my life that came true. And because of that, it's developed in me this sense of if you see something, a way, a path, a plan, an idea, and you pursue it, it can can happen. You can make that a reality. And that's always been what I've based my life on. And so some people, you know, say I'm, I'm such a positive thinker or um, they'll think that that they can't do some of the stuff that I've set out to do. But it's just that I have seen it happen enough times that I believe strongly in when you have a vision for something and you go after it, you can make it a reality. I think that's why I like being a life coach so much is because I know that if if someone has a dream in their heart and they're not going after it because they have let life get them down, which don't get me wrong, I've been in that place a lot of times. Um, if you don't climb out of that, it's always just going to be that what if or I wish or that's just a pipe dream and never going after it. And that that place that you stay in when you have those kinds of thoughts is not going to propel you to your greatness. So let me tell you about my experiences. So the very first one that I started to see this magic happen was when I was in high school. I signed up for a beauty pageant my first one ever I knew nothing about pageants so I wasn't and this was in the 80s so I wasn't one of those girls that had that history of having been in lots of competitions and this was the natural thing to do next and like nowadays they have the shows where you see these girls that you know from babies up being primed for that kind of an experience Nope, that wasn't what I was doing I had just Heard about it, signed up for it, like a lot of things in my life. Jumped in with both feet and found myself competing in. And it was kind of cool. It was, we spent the night, one or two nights, because we had to learn these choreographies, which I am a horrible dancer. So two left feet. We had to sing, which I am not the world's best singer. So that was a challenge as well. And we were interviewed and. Um, We had our little different outfits and little different things that we got to do. And so it was a great learning experience for me. And I kept imagining every time we would have our little gatherings and, and what we needed to do. I could imagine myself winning. I could see myself being called onto the stage. And I just held it in my heart as I'm going to win this competition. And I I even went to like I could hear them calling my number. It was so exciting. And I've often said that I had a better experience imagining the pageant that I was going to win it than I did with the actual outcome because it was just such a thrill. I mean, I felt it inside. And As you may have guessed, I did not become the winner of the pageant. However, they did call my name. I did walk up on stage. I was given an award and got all of that glory and felt what I had been imagining. They had an award for the Miss Teen of California Um, service award and so the application that I had filled out that I meticulously had entered every single thing i would ever done in my life they awarded me for that and the really cool thing about that and I didn't get this till years and years later is that there isn't a lot of the things that I had done all the service type things were not things that normally get awarded for they were just me being me and coming up with different things to do and yet I was given an honor for for being me and so years later when I realized that I was like that is the coolest thing and I still have that plaque and it, it just whenever I think of that moment I recognize that I stepped into a world where I could imagine and make things come true now the next time I got to see that in play was I went to a college I was from California and I went to a college in Santa Barbara um, did my first year there it wasn't really a good fit for me it wasn't it was a good experience but I knew that I wanted more I didn't know what I wanted but I knew I wanted more and so in the second year I stayed in Santa Barbara but I went to the community college and I worked full-time for an entrepreneur had an amazing experience being the assistant to the president of this company and learned so much about entrepreneurship and he had me giving presentations to people with thousands and thousands of dollars I mean at the time I didn't even understand the honor that I had right and then I decided that that wasn't enough for me I wanted to go and be my own entrepreneur and so I decided that I wanted to go to a different college and I saw myself on the East Coast and so I went on an adventure I jumped in my Toyota Corolla with the possessions that I had packed into the back of it and I mapped out the ten colleges I felt had the programs that I was most interested in and I contacted the colleges found a way to stay with students and basically for about a six week period I toured colleges on the East Coast it was an amazing adventure kind of like backpacking across Europe right but in my own adventure and I was a Kelly girl during that time period, which basically meant I took on temporary jobs, and so I still received pay and got to go visit these colleges, experience them for more than just a day, and just did this really neat stuff. So I picked a college that I was in love with. I decided it was the one that I was meant to go to. It was the Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania not even thinking at the time that that was an Ivy League school. I, being from California, was not as entranced with the Ivy Leagues, but what that school had to offer just seemed like everything was meant for me. Well, that wasn't how the school felt about it. They thanked me very much for turning in my application, but there were thousands and thousands of people more qualified than me. Now, any normal college-age student would have just accepted that for what it was, but not Tina. Tina decided that there was a mistake, that they didn't really understand me, and so I pushed further so that I could go to that school. About the third or fourth time I applied, asking them to please consider it differently, they sent me a very nice letter that just said, look, you're from a school we've never heard of in California, You don't have the educational background to handle the rigor of our college, so thank you, but no. Now I took that to mean I had to prove to them that I could go to their college, that I was smart enough. So I figured out a way to go enroll in summer school and take a calculus class. And when I got an A in that calculus class, I wrote to them, and I was like, hey, guess what? I am smart enough. And they replied back, thank you very much, but now, at that point, I was starting to feel like maybe this isn't going to happen, and so I did have a a second plan. I loved Washington, D.C., so I decided I was going to accept the um, George Mason University had also given me a nod for enrollment and so I had joined the military as a Army ROTC cadet and I had my training to go to so since I still hadn't heard by the time I went into the training I pretty much decided that what was going to happen was I would end up going to George Mason because apparently you can't force people to accept you into the college of your dreams however The last day of our what we call basic camp I was sworn in and as I held my hand up to take in the oath over the shoulder of the gentleman reading me the oath was the crest for the University of Pennsylvania and it just kind of crushed me because I was like that's the school that's the one that I'm meant to be a part of and Again, I felt it. I just knew that I was supposed to go there. Here's the crazy thing, you guys. I got home. I got my mail. And I don't know how it happened, but I got accepted. I don't know if they just finally felt like, this girl needs to go to this school because of her tenacity. But Whatever it was, I didn't look the gift horse in the mouse. I went to the Wharton School. And I... I had a great time of it. It was an amazing experience. I ended up graduating cum laude and I pushed. I worked full-time to be able to pay to put myself through that school. Now granted, I had a lot of student loans when I got done, but not anywhere by what today's standards are. But I put myself through college and that was all from a vision I had that I was supposed to go to that school. So you see where I'm going with this, right? Like my life has been crazy like that. And it's things that I don't necessarily ever understand. So third one that I want to tell you about is that when I, um, after I'd been married for years and years, this was probably 2005, I... Uh, my first husband and I, one of the things we did in college, he was from Pennsylvania, was he introduced me to archery. And I loved archery. Just something about it was just so freeing. I just loved it. And however, it got to be really pricey, number one, because everybody was having to buy a better bow and a better sight and a stabilizer, and there was all these requirements, and I'm not a detailed person like that. I am much more of a natural, go with the flow kind of a person. Well, in 2004, I believe that was an Olympic year, and I watched the um, Olympics, and I just had this dream that I loved the Olympics. Actually, I forgot this part of the story. I kept seeing myself as an Olympic archer and um, it's so funny I can't re- believe that this is where that that went because it wasn't so I'm gonna hold that one and tell you about this particular part of it so big dreams of being an Olympic archer um, but they shoot a su- certain type of bow and I and it's all natural it's recurve with um, a natural flavor to it and that's what I decided I was gonna do I was gonna shoot the recurve without any sights or stabilizers and just have this natural environment but I've never shot that type of bow before now we were in some groups where people had access to those types of bows and I made the statement that I wanted to start shooting this way and somebody said well I have a bow you can borrow and that was exciting i actually looked up there was a qualifier for the olympics and it was in atlanta and so i decided i was going to drive to atlanta and be in this two-day qualifier without ever having shot this bow that was going to be loaned to me and if you know anything about archery you also have to have specific arrows made just right for your draw length and the weight of the bow that you're pulling back and so on. Well, somebody else I knew had access to some arrows that they would loan me. So if you know anything about archery, you know that I just committed to being in an event with everything against me. Because you don't normally a, go into an Olympic event without ever shooting the bow or the arrows. In fact, that's what it was. Somebody at the tournament was letting me borrow their arrows. So I had never even shot with those arrows using a bow I had never shot with. And the drive there was like six hours. So I, my husband took care of my kids. I took off with this bow I had never shot. And the whole way I drove there, all I could do was dream about how I was going to win the event. I could see this beautiful trophy and I just, I was thrilled i just kept thinking this is amazing i am going to win this event well as you might have imagined i did not shoot so well first of all it took forever to zero in on i was shooting at one of the largest distances they have the way that they do these shoots when you're in in it in them is you start at the farthest distance first which was 80 meters and so it was a long ways And I had no sights like the trajectory at the the, um, weight that I was shooting at was very very light and so I literally had to like point up into the air and use clouds as my um, indicator of sorry there is a traffic thing going on here that I don't understand Um, use clouds as where to point which if you know anything about archery clouds are not exactly what you need to be using so I used the clouds as my reference point shot my arrow grouping you shoot six arrows five times at each target and so I missed repeatedly went out there And each time I got closer to the target, but wasn't even hitting the target. And so, um, believe it or not, before the end of that round, I did hit the target and I hit a bullseye. I hit a 10. Now, I don't think I hit very many of them the entire rest of the event. But I was so thrilled by the fact that I got a bullseye at that distance without knowing what I was doing and it was just sure will so I was so thrilled with myself but I obviously knew there was no way I was going to get a trophy now a couple of things you need to know about archery as well is that not very many people like to shoot Olympic style without any sights or stabilizers or equipment so I was in a class by myself mostly but even so when they did gave the awards, I did not win. And I accepted it, obviously, for the reasons that I told you, I knew that I wasn't exactly uh, trophy worthy, although they were the coolest trophies they had, just like the Olympics, because it was in Atlanta, they had the flames, and I was just so enamored with it. And then, and I was not expecting this at all. They got done giving the awards and they said, and now we'll be giving the awards for our out of state archers. And it never dawned on me that that was a category and they had set it up so that their Georgia archers would be competing just against the Georgia archers. And guess who got the first place trophy? The beautiful flame golden trophy that got to sit next to her all the way home. It was, it was a miracle. I was so thrilled. And again, just so amazed at the fact that when you set your sights on something like, uh, even something that doesn't even make sense, like winning first place in an archery competition your very first time, right? Like how crazy is that? So the point that I want to make to you is seeing so clearly what you want is so important. And even if it makes no sense at all, at least go after it, explore it. If you have a passionate vision, you owe it to the universe, the people around you, the people that you are eventually going to serve to live that dream out to its fullest. It may not turn out the way that you expected. I've had lots of visions that haven't. But in those three particular cases, I saw stuff that I just, it blew me away. And when you're living life like that, it is it's a miracle. So, I just realized I have three more that I want to tell you about. I'm going to tell you the rest about the Olympic part of this. But I'm also going to, um, share some other ones that are really cool, but that'll be another podcast. So I hope you'll join me on the next one. And until then, I hope you have an amazing day. Take care.